Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, the TFM, where a podcast is dedicated to thinking through how what we believe about God, about His Word, about this world, about people, about all that affects how we minister to families and to children, and so to encourage the conversation to go forward and to, to bring theology into the discussion uh, of how churches and how parents are uh, ministering to the children that God's entrusted to their care. So I'm one of your hosts. I'm Ben Palaz, the Family and Children's Discipleship Pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and I'm joined by... And I am the one and only Pastor Anthony Tresoni at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland, where I am the Family Pastor. All right, very good. Well, Tony, it's good to be back with you. The The World Series is underway. Have you caught any of the games? I haven't yet, so the I've been meaning to, but just been busy. So I think uh, just game one has passed, as the recording has happened, right? Or has the game two happened last night? Yeah, game two happened last night. Um, I don't know what happened. I know the uh, Clayton Kershaw brought it the first game, and uh, I don't know what happened last night. So haven't checked. I think I saw maybe an inning or two of the, the first game, but should be I'm, a good series. I'm, I know I'm rooting for the Strohs since they haven't won a World Series before, so... Oh, they okay. I didn't realize that. That's true. No, no, they. The, I thought they had, but yeah, they've only been around since the '90s, and so. But the Dodgers haven't won a World Series since '88. That's right, Kirk Gibson. So, yeah, Either I'd like way to better say, than the Yankees. <laughs> Finally, after all the money they spent, they're they're in the big show. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, today we want to get into to talking about music. Now, I'm not a very musical guy, and so there's a lot of things about music I don't get. Um, but Tony, how about you? I mean, did, as a kid, did you like to sing? Did you enjoy listening to music as a child? Yes, I did. Actually, I remember even as a relatively young child, my favorite band was Nirvana for quite a while. Smells like <laughs> it, Teen Spirit. It does. So yes, so yes, I enjoyed them. I uh, that for a little while I was in a pretty terrible band, and we mostly kind of did Counting Crows parody, Counting Crows uh, covers. Were you? What did you play? I played guitar, lead guitar, and I sang for a little while. So, but I wasn't very good at either. <laughs> I actually have my electric guitar that I use for that band right behind me in my desk, uh, and I haven't touched it in probably nine years. Okay, so you don't get it out and, and uh, shred a little bit every now and then? Don't, I don't. But I, it makes me look more impressive, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Unless, it's actually I never knew that. flames. Ooh, that's nice. Pretty rocking, huh? <laughs> Oh man, that's that's a, I never knew this about you. That just changes sh- changes my outlook on you. I'll be sure to jam out in the end of our podcast. You know, try to record some of my. That could be a music. nice closing. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so I know um, you know your experience from church was different than mine. Going, you know, growing up. But were there any songs that you heard, sort of religious songs, that stick out to you? Um, you know, from that time period. And so yes, one specifically, I remember the uh, song "Jesus uh, Loves the Little Children," but specifically, I remember that song from watching the movie Con Air. <laughs> okay, so an indirect way of getting that in. It was yeah, so it was uh, the quite an interesting way of getting it. As in the movie, it's uh, actually based, it's sung to some uh, murderous child pedophiles. So it was a little probably a little bit different than your background. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure we sang that song at some point, but uh, no Con Air for me. Um, (laughs) Nicolas Cage movies are really the best way of getting exposed to Christian music, right? (laughs) From that to Left Behind or whatever, you know. Um, So, Sticks, I do remember some little songs here and there, but I remember hearing Matt Chandler, the pastor in Texas, uh, talking about going to vacation Bible school or some sort of thing like that as a kid and singing a song about God hating liars. And he said, I'm singing a song about God hating me. <laughs> and uh, I just I heard him talking about that in an interview or something one time. It just stuck out to me that you know he realized his own sin. Now, he didn't become a Christian until he was in high school, I think. Um, but he, he was aware of, of this. And so... Uh, I you know I guess it is true. Revelation talks about that. Um, was that and, the Revelation twenty one eight song? I don't know if it was that song or not, but he said it was sung very cheerfully. You know about God hating liars, and he thought this is. I, I feel a little uncomfortable. I'm singing about God hating me, but um, yeah, I don't know if it's that. You know, uh, liars go to hell, burn, 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 or you know some other wonderful <laughs> rendition. <laughs> Lovely, huh? But um. So, well, Tony, what kind of music do you enjoy listening to now? Uh, I enjoy, I like Indelible Grace is one of my favorite bands. Uh, Andrew Peterson I listen to a lot. I, lot, I kind of get into folksy Christian or folksy non-Christian. That, you know, I listen to Bob Dylan a little bit too much and things like that. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I didn't really start listening to music on my own until I was... 17 and just rode around in the car listening to talk radio with my dad and I just thought that's what everybody did and so I mean even now I, I, I do enjoy music but I um, often if given the choice of listening to music or listening to somebody talking about something I'll choose that and so I'm just just strange that way um, but yeah I think with my glasses though you know with the kind of hipster vibe I'm going and my French press coffee I think I'm required to listen to Bob Dylan though I guess it is kind of mandatory. Uh, do, do you have a cup of French press uh, there on your desk? I do, yes. Actually, in my Tacoma Falls College Alumni Association cup. Very cool, very cool. Shout out to TFC. My wife won a uh, shirt through some sort of competition, some Facebook thing, guess the number of pounds of candy or something. So uh, Nice. So, well, that's cool. So, most kids, I find, enjoy music, uh, singing to it, listening to it. Um, and so it's a normal part of church. It's a normal part of children's ministries. But would you say that if they're just hearing about God, they're hearing that Jesus loves them, um, that Jesus wants them to love others, you know, and those kinds of things, would you say that that's enough, or are there other factors that we should consider? Well, I think if they're learning that from Nicolas Cage movies, I think that's definitely enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Today in Children's Church, we'll be watching Con Air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next day we'll be watching La- National Treasure too. So. <laughs> I think uh, you know music is a way of teaching, and we've discussed the dangers of only teaching that much of those kind of things that you mentioned. So mm. you know, I think with any kind of teaching, including music, we should do a lot more than that. The Bible, I think, is a great example and a great uh, way of setting our understanding of music and the Bible has songs about God's glory and his wondrous deeds uh, you know along with many other things uh, describing God's character even and I think those kind of songs that are in scripture should be our kind of standard you know not to say that we only sing song uh, psalms but that uh, I think that those types of songs should be our preference mm. 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, because you want them to have a, a full circle view of who God is, and and not that those things that at the beginning I was asking you about that there's anything wrong with those. Those are very glorious truths, but you don't want to just have this. Um, you know, okay, these are the things we need to know. God is love, love one another, and then that's it. Um, you know, God did give us a whole book where He says more things about Himself, and um, and so you don't want him just to have this, you know, warm and cuddly God, but it's a, a holy God who hates sin and a loving God who comes after sinners and a humble God who dies yes. for his enemies and a promise-keeping God. You know, the list could go on. Um, because those things, even before they can fully understand all those lyrics, they're taking root in their mind and their heart and, and like, true. shaping what they believe uh, about him. So, well, Tony, is there anything distinctive about music's ability to teach and, and to leave a lasting imprint on those who listen and sing? Oh, definitely. I think so. You know, and I think for that reason, when we do memory verses at our at our home with our kids, we like to put things as music. My wife does a lot better job at than I do because I can't really keep a beat as much as she can. Uh, Even with the, your garage uh, band experience? No. <laughs> with my terrible garage band. If anything, <laughs> that was a hindrance, not a help in that sense. Uh, the uh, Music, I think, is uh, memorable and it's catchy. And I think those are aspects of music that can really help people, you know, that you are bound to. Even the Lady Gaga song that you heard on the radio, you might memorize just from hearing a couple times. It gets stuck in your head in a really unfortunate way. Uh, <laughs> the, You know, and speaking of that kind of stuff, I think music does transform worldview and MTV, for example, knows it. That, mm. uh, you know, you think of a song like, I've read that one song that has a shaped worldview among young people more than more than almost any religious teaching has been Katy Perry's Fireworks and kind of instilling that kind of narcissism mm. and, and self-focus rather than, you know, other-focused. Uh, that uh, thinking I'm the most important thing and, you know, everything revolves around me. And, I mean, that shows, you know, fireworks. It shows that MTV knows, that Katy Perry knows that music can transform worldview. And if we, I think if we repeated Bible verses uh, or Ikea instructions even in our head the same way that we, that in the same way that we uh, put Katy Perry songs in our head, we would undoubtedly be impacted by this, even impacted by how you uh, put together a Fjordstan <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Um, yeah, baby, you're a firework. Um, th- those are helpful points. From what I understand, it engages another part of the brain than j- above what just listening or you know uh, the speaking does. Um, and so, you know, often, like I said, I'd still prefer to listen to someone speaking, but I do enjoy music, and, and music does something for my own soul beyond what almost all preaching does. Every now and then you hear just a, an exceptional sermon um, that can really make your heart soar, but music has the ability to do that a lot easier. And, it does. Um, and Pete, like you said, people sing and repeat these things, and I don't know too many people who go around repeating the pastor's sermon points, you know? No, not to say that you shouldn't, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even in that one that just comes to my head as well, by the way, is uh, the Getty song, Facing a Task Unfinished, I think has been used to impassion people on missions in a way mm-hmm. that few other things can. Yeah, that's cool. Um. Well, do we need music when teaching kids, or is it just a filler or something to kind of get them engaged, you know, get the antsies out? I mean, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's definitely just a filler. You know, we shouldn't worry about that kind of thing. No, we definitely should. Uh, I think it brings force, force, and and leaves a lasting impact upon our teaching. That uh, it, you know, it shows. It's a way to reinforce in that kind of way. It it I think makes their teaching more succinct. I think that's why a lot of churches will sometimes have the music be uh, based upon the message, you know, trying to teach the same points in the music as you're teaching in the message to kind of kind of show that point, even with a kid's lesson in that kind of way. You know, I think that it, uh, it really does fire off the neurons in your brain so we can remember even the lesson. We have that association. We really enjoyed that song, you know, that perhaps that uh, the perhaps you can think of Make Me Wise by Sovereign Grace Kids Music mm. and, and then think of that lesson on Proverbs that you learned alongside of it. And I think it can help them to get engaged too and that's a good thing. You know, it's a good oh, yeah. thing to get kids excited about what they're going to learn. Yeah, I think those are those are good points. You know, and we are commanded to sing praises to the Lord and that, that engagement factor and just taking into consideration where kids are developmentally and, you know, the more senses you can get involved helping the memory and getting them moving and dancing and hand motions and, you know, again, I, I didn't really get too much into the hand motions as a kid. I know a lot of kids do and so we, we make use of them here but uh, it's still, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, not much of a dancer either so you know it's sort of uncomfortable for me but uh, I think it, it really does engage them and get them participating in a helpful way um, now should we only use kitty kind of songs no definitely not I think kitty songs are great uh, and you know and even I think of some with that there's some kitty songs that even my wife and I will repeat. I really like uh, a kid CD Daniel Renstrom has made that Jesus wants my heart. It's even catching it. We and me and my wife enjoy seeing it when the kids aren't there. Uh, but Christians sing. Christians are called to sing. You know, I think the Christian life is a life of singing together, and we need to be able to sing together. So kids need to be exposed to the same kind of music that the entire congregation is going to be exposed to, so, uh, even that their parents are going to be worshiped along to. And so I think there's a benefit of, of kids not just doing their own songs, but to singing along to the great songs of the past and of today. Um, you know, sometimes it's wise to even acquaint our kids with the set list, for example, for Sunday. Sometimes in our family worship, for example, we've uh, looked at uh, the set list, the songs that are coming about on Sunday, and we've sang them together to prepare our kids to be able to ready to sing with the congregation on Sunday mornings. That's a very good idea. I've not thought about that. Um, yeah, I I think that using some kiddie songs, and, and including tunes that are kiddie and, and very simple lyrics, I think it's helpful Um especially depending on the age and just where children are developmentally. But I think we should also give them adult songs that they can grow into. I think you've talked about that before. With I don't remember exactly the what you used it as an analogy for, but like boots that they can grow into. And even if they don't understand all the lyrics, giving them that so that they yeah. can grow into those, those truths. And, you know, I, I'm not a personal fan of using songs that have lyrics that are almost incomprehensible in, in their vocabulary, in their syntax, or um, you know, their sentence structure, or the symbolism. And often songs like that, the melody may be just strange too, um, you know, just what era it came from. I don't know that that's so helpful, um, yeah. at least as a general rule, but um, you know, maybe you throw one or two in there, but... 
Um, so, yeah. I mean, we've established kitty songs are good, but not only kitty songs. Well, you know, we've seen in recent years, and I say recent years, really like a recent generation, uh, an explosion of publishing and recording um, for children and, and all sorts of other niche groups. Should we should we only use new songs? Yeah, I think we should only use songs that were written by, written by Ch- that uh, Charles Wesley. I think that's it. We should just entirely use that. I'm kidding. Charles Wesley's hymns are amazing, though. Uh, that no, I think we sh- when we sing old songs, we sing with our ancestors, as as one Christian leader I know has said. Uh, we confess not in a, not in a Catholic sense, but in a deeper sense. Uh, we confess a common faith that's bigger than us, that's bigger than even our times. If as we sing Amazing Grace, as we uh, sing How Firm a Foundation, that we sing us we confess fast a common faith that's been held throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia in some cases. Um, you know, and I think the old songs, old hymns, were often written to teach, not to just get excited. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, hymn, uh, that hymns t- tended to not be written by songwriters, but instead by theologians and pastors and people that are passionate about the Bible. And so it provides a depth in most of them, with the, probably the exception of In the Garden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that song. Some of the best, I think, have risen above the crop in that. You know, and in that, you know, there are some really bad old hymns. But, uh, you know, to some degree, the test of time helps to preserve that, which is good and deep and helpful for the church. But, you know, but uh, I think and the, I think even there is a great beauty in singing the Psalms. I do mention the Psalms, and I think we should sometimes sing the Psalms mm-hmm. as Christians have sung for millennia. Yeah, and then before Christ showed up on the scene, you know, Israel before that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Um, I found a helpful quote. I know I, I do disagree with him to an extent, but what he says, I, I do, I'm sympathetic. There's this guy, John Stackhouse, kind of intellectual guy. He said, We're the most educated Christians in history, and yet our lyrics are considerably stupider than our much less educated Christian <laughs> forebears. Now, yeah, wow. <laughs> there, there's truth to that. Now, I think sometimes contemporary music gets too much of a bad rap in certain circles. Um, now, some people just embrace it full on, like, why would you sing anything else than what's on the radio, or what was published, you know, recorded in the last five years or two years, but um, he, there is something to that. Now, there is also there is modern stuff, and not just from the Gettys, um, but the modern songs that are written that do proclaim God's greatness, and that, that is an appropriate response to who he is and what he's done. But like you said, I mean, people with the Holy Spirit have sung God's praises for a long time before us, and I think that's helping kids to see that. Um, and I think, especially if you draw their attention to it as they get older, uh, that that might be a little something that can help them see the sticking power of Christianity. You know, that people have walked through, with the Lord through many difficulties, with questions, all those kind of things, and it's not just you know, something in our generation or their parents and even, you know, wrestling with doubt or with suffering and these kinds of things. Like people have thought about this before and they have, they have written about it and trying to reflect on scripture from it. And so um, just helping kids to see that as they may try to make their faith their own. And, And there are many new songs that are they go too often to our emotional responses to God rather than focusing on God himself. And that's not entirely wrong, I don't think. I mean, you just read the no. psalms. You're talking about singing the psalms. I mean, there's yeah. many psalms that are a heart 
response to the Lord, whether of joy or anguish or lots of things in between. Um, you know, but I think we want kids who they they end up they know more than just how they should feel about Christianity about the Lord. We want them to know actual things and actual truth about God that will prompt genuine worship and awe and trust and adoration and obedience and all those things from their hearts. Yes. Now, before you ask the next question, I do want to ask you: have, Did you ever read the the uh, the bizarre thing where ESPN got into the uh, question of old versus new worship songs and five thirty eight dot com did an article about it? I did read that, and I don't really remember what it was about. But I think I saw you yeah. had posted something about it, and so I thought more what? or less, yeah. Fi- this website five thirty eight dot com, which is my no sense a Christian website, basically analyzed the words in uh, old hymns versus. Uh, new Christian songs and and even somewhat the mood and basically it found that often that new songs tended to be happier uh, you know just about kind of kind of happy happy experiences with the Lord uh, whereas you know the, some old hymns really spent really got deep into things like from the depths of woe you know into our suffering and, and praising God through our suffering as well as you know I think it showed that there's a lot more theology contained within those but you know that's not to say that all are bad or, or that all are that all in the past were good right and that's a helpful point to make so because there are some who who would say that we should only sing old songs and because of you know the richness of them or because we just like that era better or or whatever it is um so what is your take on that yeah, I think uh, it's important to really in this study, Second Hesitations nine three, where it uh, the Bible commands us not to listen to any music that was produced after nineteen fourteen. Uh, so we need to really hold fast to that command. Do <clears throat> would you agree with that? I assume. Um, right. Yes, I would. I would. Um, yeah, it's, okay. it's, the text is clear. Uh, so. Yeah, so no, seriousness. Yeah, there is no biblical command. There is no passage like that that commands us to avoid music after a certain year. And, of course, that's silly. And the reality is that, uh, I mean, these songs, when when the Christians have an attitude with with their children, with, you know, adults, that we should only sing old songs, those old songs are new at one point. Right. They were, a lot of times, they're actually literally put to bar to drinking music. I mean, even Martin Luther, some Martin Luther's great hymns are literally put to drinking music. Uh, and I think that's an important context to understand. Uh, you know, and there's that there's nothing wrong with being roused to worship by a relevant melody and I think sometimes new music has the ability to do that. It has the ability to connect. Connecting emotionally isn't always bad. And uh, I think that new music, the music that is, relates to the style of music that we listen to in our everyday, can can entice our attention and, and can arouse us emotionally. And that's okay, I think, in times. Uh, you know, I think that there are some we criticize new music for not being as deep, and a lot of times it isn't. There are a lot of a lot of new Christian music that's Christian, contemporary Christian music that is written just by songwriters that have no theological awareness. Some of it, some of it is really, really, really bad. I mean, I think of a Christian music song that was on the radio a couple of years back that said, "We're something worth dying for because Jesus died for us," and that shows that you know we're, we're worth so much.
much to God on our own mm-hmm. and uh, that we were dying for, which Scripture is so against. You know, it shows the mystery of the uh, the, the mystery of the gospels that we weren't worth dying for. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is still some that is really deep. You know, you mentioned the Gettys. There, I mean, that uh, you even saw from a band that's you know probably not always as deep. I mean, you can think of Revelation song, Revelation song, which is based, which is a song essentially rooted in Scripture. And I mean, there's deep, deep beauty and God honoring uh, transcendence in that. Mm. Yeah, there, there is much. And, and I, I read an article um, by Trevin Wax, and he, I forgot how long, but he maybe it was an hour or two hours, and he listened to contemporary Christian radio, and he said people just you know pick on it, and sometimes rightfully so. But he said you know he he tried to summarize what he heard in that time, and. He said, this is what I learned about God, and I, much of it was very sound teaching. Uh, and so I think sometimes some people can be too disparaging of it, but there's stuff out there that's, like you said, the lack of theological awareness. Um, now, I brought up John Stackhouse a minute ago. Well, someone took issue with his article, this Australian theology professor named Ben Myers, and he responded, and he said, you know, of the the hymns that we have often in our hymnals that are often from the 1800s, we just have the highlights. We don't have everything that was written. And he said, this is a quote, hymns typically suffer either from painfully bad lyrics or from a trivial, no less painful sentimentality. And I found that to be true. There are many hymns that are not very good or they're just very sentimental, like in the garden. Um, and then he offers, now here, I, I want you, we're going to play a little game here. I want to see if you can guess the hymn writer. But he, he offers this as the stupidest hymn ever written. Now, I think he's pretty, he's too harsh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what you think. Um, so name the hymn writer. The smoke of the infernal cave, which hath the Christian world o'erspread, disperse thou heavenly light, and save the souls by that imposter led, that Arab chief as Satan bold, who quite destroyed thy Asian fold. O might the blood of sprinkling cry for those who spurn the sprinkled blood, assert thy glorious deity, stretch out thine arm, thou triune God, the Unitarian fiend expel, and chase his doctrine back to hell. Wow. (laughs) So, name that hymn writer. Ah, you know, I'm guessing it's a popular one, so I'm going to guess Charles Wesley. It is indeed. Brother Wesley. Um... Now, I don't know that that's the stupidest hymn ever written, but it's not one that we would want to, you know, sing in our churches no. today. <laughs> um, you know, and Charles Wesley did, he wrote some great songs. Uh, but, you know, this guy Myers was saying how he wrote like 6,000 hymns and we sing like 20 of them. Um, yes. And so old songs are not just the only place where it's at. You know, it's kind of like a reverse chronological snobbery. Um, where everything new is bad. And so, you know, back in the golden years, things yeah. the songs were good. Um, but, you know, some tribes in the church emphasize songs of just a certain area, whether that's, you know, some groups now, they just want to sing the Gettys or, you know, Indelible Grace or something. And not to pick on those, I, I, I like um, newer hymns. But then you got other folks that want to just sing hymns from, you know, the 1800s or, the Puritans or whoever, you know, um, but just thinking that that like that that era is the pure fountain of goodness, and uh, and I think that's just that's not yeah. helpful. And so, um, it, it's it's good to draw from a broad swath of things. 
I mean, even, you know, I think one of the most popular hymns ever was I'll Fly Away. And is I'll Fly Away in any sense objectively deeper than even the shallowest of, for example, Chris Tomlin. Not to criticize Chris Tomlin, but even the shallowest of a popular contemporary Christian guy, Chris Tomlin songs. It's a good point. I mean, it's very catchy. Um, and even, you know, there's been modern uh, renditions of it. And But like you said, I mean, this is sort of escapist. And now, and even if you are, if, if you believe, if you're a dispensationalist, you br- believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just sort of like good old folksy singing. Uh-huh. Well, so are there any kind of things that we should avoid? Um, and, so, and have you heard some examples of those kind of things? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the worst uh, songs uh, that I can think of that's a kid's song that I was exposed to, uh, actually through kid's curriculum, was a song, I Am the Good Samaritan, which I think blatantly misses the point. Uh, the Good Samaritan passage, I think, whether we're teaching children or adults, it's, the Good Samaritan is Jesus, but also the Good, the good Samaritan is an impossible standard to show our God's perfect standards of righteousness. But there was a song that that kids were asked to sing that I am to say that I am the good Samaritan. I am I am a great. I am the best neighbor, basically. And essentially, it's a song that that where kids are led to believe they have no need for Jesus, of course. Um, but uh, you know, there are a lot more than that kind of thing. Uh, as a, ch- a child, I know came to me singing a song about how the Bible is about learning to do the right thing first and foremost. I think those kind of songs, those kind of moralistic songs, uh, which are common, are disastrous. Um, yeah, I think another one, professing faith that kids likely don't have yet, it's uh, uh, li- like it's just their tribe. You know, I think when we have kids sing songs that affirming that they're Christians because they're at a church or because they're even at a church event, even if they have no church background, because uh, that... Uh, you know, it's almost tribalism more than it's any kind of sense of, of faith. You know, it's that I'm I'm affirming that I'm a Christian as opposed to being a Muslim. You know, we're, we're the good Christian people right. rather than I think any sense affirming biblical soteriology. Um, the I think fabulizing our faith, especially when it comes to eternity, kind of related to what we recorded a couple days ago. I think there are a lot of songs that do that kind of thing that you know just make it silly and fable and like a fable. Mm. Yeah, that's those are good points, and we've talked about this too—the cute factor. And sometimes that can be the driving force with choosing children's curriculum or whatever it is related to kids. Um, but I think if you got some song that's overtly contradicting scripture, no matter how cute it is, you you just can't do that. Um, you can't plant that in children's hearts, and yeah, that's just a problem. Um, but, you know, you, you're, first of all, you're dealing with kids, so it's automatically you've got the cute factor. And then when you're dealing with music, there's this emotional thing. And so you also the emotional thing with the kids, and it can just be a recipe for bad choices there. But So what are your thoughts on – because I want to kind of unpack that about kids singing like they're all Christians. When not all of them are, when they don't have a Christian background, how is that different, do you think? from the whole church assembly singing a song that, that would involve saying, you know, Lord, I love you, or um, we trust you, or things like that, where not everyone in that room does. Do, do you see a difference there? Yeah, I think this is such a important conversation, but maybe better having a personal environment, especially in thinking in light of the last question. Maybe we could just have that conversation in a big, big yard where we can play football. What do you think of that, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that uh, it can be very dangerous. 
uh, and it can give a great deal of false assurance. Uh, you know, to kids that are not Christians, to kids singing and proclaiming in a way that I think even far more than a lot of adult songs do proclaim that I'm a Christian and that kind of tribalistic sense, like I said, uh, you know, but at the same time, I think we have to admit uh, some psalms of adoration, especially psalms like 100, Psalm 145 kind of do that kind of you know kind of give an effort give that kind of personal response the the say that i love you give that identify in that kind of way and even you know psalm 145 was a song sung by by the entire congregation together and so i think these kind of things are in the bible sometimes probably in a less overt way than we see in some children's songs but i think it's not wise to stand against something that is so clearly in the bible but i don't i think you know when it rubber hits the road i would say it's not wise or illegitimate emotional response because it's cute but corporate adoration is appropriate sometimes. And, and I think that's, you know, going to require some kind of pastoral discernment, some kind of church discernment, even parents, for parents, parental discernment in that kind of way, whether or not, you know, the song that, you know, where people say that they, they love Jesus, or to say they love Jesus when they probably don't, are helpful in family worship or not. Mm. No, that's that's good reflection on that. I, yeah, I'm conflicted. Um, I think... I think there's a slight distinction between the whole church, the whole assembly, to include unbelievers that might be there that day, as opposed to children where you're assuming less of them are believers just because they come into the world that way. Um, That's a great point. And they're they're there, because, at least in most cases, because their parents brought them, not because they chose to get in the car. And, you know, now you may have some kid who's... He's, he really wants to go to church, and he's you know asking grandma or whoever, a friend, please let me come to church with you. And I think even related to that, like that did make me think, you know, the reality is that majority of the people, we're believer Baptists here, Baptists, you know, if you don't, that we understand, thank you for listening. But as believers Baptists, we believe that, you know, being baptized as a believer is the church's affirmation of faith. And most of those kids, when we do, and when we're doing kids ministry, most of them have not or probably should not have been baptized. Yeah, often, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before, but the, uh, the and th- these statistics are old. They're from the '90s, I believe. But Southern Baptist Convention did a study and found that only 40 percent of the baptisms, and we're both Southern Baptists, but um, only 40 percent of the baptisms that we were doing um, were considered first-time baptisms. And so, because there were a lot of people who were either transferring from another denomination or um, and the church felt like they need to be baptized, or people who have been baptized young and said, you know what, I really didn't understand. Now I've come to understand the, the gospel and to believe it. Um, and so, you know, 60% were people that had been in the water before in some way. Um, and so, and I doubt that that's, that stat has improved a lot. It may have, and I, I hope so, because I think this, the stat was about 20 years old. Yeah, it's just it, it, that that's a whole separate issue that requires a lot of wisdom. Um, I, I just I would say I'd lean less towards less of it. Um, I don't think you should have no personal response, but you know you you want to declare God's greatness and His goodness and these things, and to get them to meditate on that, and not simply how they should feel. Now again, we should you know uh, who God is and what He's done should engage our heart our emotions, and our whole person. So that's just a tricky one. I think I still will mull on that. But um, well, are there 
sources for music for kids that you have found helpful or that you would recommend want to draw people's attention to? Absolutely. Um, I think of, I'm going to kind of list two categories of types of kids' music that I want to uh, list off. That, And I think some of these you'll probably recommend as well, and I'll let you flesh out more because I know you probably have stronger feelings than even I do on that. <laughs> uh, so, and so the uh, uh, two categories I have are kind of songs that teach theology to kids and songs that me- help kids memorize the Bible. Mm. And, exp- you know, and I think teaching, sometimes worship songs teach theology. They should teach theology. Uh, so a lot of these are going to be worship-based. Uh, so I think Sovereign Grace Music, uh, their kids' ministry, they have several CDs. Walking with the Wise is one. Theology, like theology, but theology, is mm-hmm. uh, gr- some great CDs. The God of uh, that awesome God, I think, is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like three kids, uh, kids' CDs, and they're just really excellent, deep. They teach kids theology in a way that is relevant and helpful to them, even doctrines like sin that we don't like to talk about with kids. I think, and it's really fun. Just well done, mm-hmm. great stuff. Have kids singing on um, sometimes, and yeah, they do. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, that's another one where you know that uh, all about Jesus is something that uh, I sing all the time in my head, and I love it. Village Kids, did uh, that Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Their kids ministry has a CD. It's just short, but it's kind of geared towards preschoolers, and we love it. Uh, our kids really enjoy it, and it really works for even our toddlers ministry at church. Uh, Daniel Renstrom, I mentioned, he wrote a uh, CD that goes along with a curriculum that was uh, from a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's uh, that G called Jesus Wants Our Heart. And it's just him singing, but it was songs that he actually wrote with his young children, kind of based upon what they were thinking and what the questions that they had uh, with some pastoral, uh, uh, pastoral wisdom put in that. I think it's a really excellent CD. And then in terms of Bible memorization, the Risers, uh, R-I-Z-E-R-S, uh, were actually a, a band that was kind of funded partially by, um, partly, I think almost entirely actually, by Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll's old church. Now that does include profanity, right? Just want to check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost every other word is. Kidding. Uh, so it's just putting songs, a Bible versus a song. I think it's out of the NIV. I could be wrong, but but, uh, and it's really, really, really catchy. My kids love it, and we're asked for it in family worship every night. Wow. And it teaches Bible verses, and they even have these awesome videos that look like there's something you would see on the Disney Channel with probably less uh, back-talking to parents. <laughs> That's helpful. And and the, the last one I'd say is sees family worship, but I know you're going to talk about that more. Yeah, those I had not heard of all. I think I, you had told me about Risers. I've never listened to it. Um, but, Dude, yeah, definitely. Kids will love it. Good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, the Sovereign Grace ones are great, and, and it teaches theology, but it, it's definitely putting the cookies on the kid's shelf. Um, and so, I mean, I, I know on the Walking with the Wise one, there's a song about confessing your sin, and blessed is the one who uh, admits his sin, and you know he'll, he'll find mercy, things like that. It, it's, it's really, really good. My kids have uh, benefited a lot. <clears throat> Um, another one that I found is uh, the Austin Stone Church. It's Austin, Texas. They have produced a kids' album. It's called Only Jesus, and um, hmm. it's only available digitally. But they also made these like dance, these like I guess the best word is psychedelic. It's like these crazy <laughs> lights, and um, it's pretty crazy. But these you know people dancing and stuff, and then it's got the lyrics on there, and so it may be a good way to get some antsies out while also you know it's talking about. 
Um, it's just our faith is about Jesus. And so um, I've been playing That's those good. Wednesday night as our kids come in. And, you know, some of them are kind of, they're just kind of mesmerized by it a little bit. But um, very good lyrics and, you know, just good music. Um, and, and Seeds Family Worship is really helpful. Um, the lyrics are straight from Scripture. I think a lot of times it's the ESV, sometimes it's the NIV, so if, if that matters to you, but um, they are, they have a number, I think they've, they're up in the, the teens now as far as albums they've produced, and uh, covering a number of passages of scriptures, they have, you know, seeds of courage, seeds of faith, seeds of purpose, uh, they have one on the Word of God, um, one on the character of God, it just uh, really covers a, a wide range of things, and so, um, and sometimes they do have children singing. I know my three-year-old especially likes to listen to music where kids are singing, and um, that's not all the songs have have that, but um, that is part of it. Um, and I've found too that not everything from them, but but Lifeway has some good stuff um, that that's sometimes it's part of their curriculum. Um, some of it can be moralistic, but uh, and that's not just a Lifeway problem. You know that that's a across the board children's industry problem, but um, they have some stuff that that does proclaim God's greatness and and tells the truth about Him in a way that's accessible to kids. And yeah. you know I, I'm not a, a walking music library, so I'm sure there's much out there that I don't know about. Um, now I'm surprised you you and your Garage Band didn't didn't lay down any tracks back in the day that we could use. <laughs> We didn't, so you know, uh, we you know, I think that we thought about uh, putting a uh, music, uh, making a musical rendition of the entire book of Ezekiel, but uh, <laughs> we just never got. That kind of would have been like a you know, I don't know, Pearl Jam kind of thing. Uh, you got you got to yeah, like probably. be high to do it, but <laughs> I don't mean to discredit scripture, but just you know, some of those visions. Uh, it's I've heard a, a liberal people not politically but liberal theologically trying to commentate on uh on ezekiel and they said he was mentally deranged or you know he had issues and just some of the things that he saw so might be one of those kinds of things but you know the unfortunate thing about all the bands that we've listed is uh, i can't think of any any nicholas cage movies that have their music in them (laughs) oh man how how are they going to work that in oh well uh, well, thank you for listening today. It's been a uh, Tony. It's been a great conversation. Thinking through these things, laughing some, and hopefully this will spark conversation and, and thoughts in people's mind as they try to uh, teach their children, whether in their own home or in their church, the great truths about who God is. And hopefully, you know, as they hear those truths, their heart is engaged to to turn from their sin, to trust Christ, or to grow deeper in that trust because music can have such an impact and I've heard I don't understand this because I'm not a music person but I've heard many people say I just could not live without music and so let's give them the truth of who God is in that music Um, things that you know I've heard someone say put steel in their spine um, to stand anyway if if you found this episode helpful please leave us a, a good review share this on social media repost it those kind of things because it helps other people to be exposed to these things and if you think these are worthwhile ideas floating around in the church then, then please do that and pass it along word of mouth however um, and we look forward to having you back next time